You're listening to Adam Carricker on The Ticket on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Adam Carricker on The Ticket. Now, we've reached out to Keo Craver. He is not answering his phone, so who knows? Maybe it's on silent. Maybe he's sleeping in. He did confirm a couple times that he'd be ready today. Hopefully, he joins us. If he doesn't, I'll try to get him on for the next show. All right. Now, do me a favor, though, because the people's segment is next. As always, call or text 402-464-5685. 402-464-5685. Let me know your questions, your comments, your concerns, your thoughts, and or otherwise. Okay. So, in the meantime... Chris Raff had a lot of great points, and I love a lot of the things that Matt Rule has done this offseason about things are fluid, okay? Things are fluid when it comes to being a captain. Things are fluid when it comes to earning a black shirt. My, my guess, as long as the defense plays well, okay, especially first year in a, in a new scheme, first year in the 3-3-5, first year under Tony White, first year, whole lot of firsts, whole lot of firsts with this offense, defense, and team as we know with the brand-new head coach and the like. As long as they play some good football, as long as we tackle better and play physical, I got to be honest, that would be a phenomenally, 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 phenomenal start, and I would just like to start there, okay? That'd be a great first-year one starting point to keep building on, okay, because we haven't done that in a long time. Let's be real. We have not done that consistently on either side of the ball in in a long time. So if we could start there, I'd be happy. But I love that things are fluid. Yeah, we may not have permanent captains till December. Yeah, we have 11 black shirts, and as long as they play well, I would imagine there's going to be another one or two that get handed out throughout the year, okay? And I'm not a fan of the whole dangling carrot thing. I I don't like the fact that the black shirts became such a debate, and what do you do, and when do you hand them out, and how many? And, like, when I tell you in that story that I shared a few minutes ago that Bob Diaco, look, first of all, he looked absolutely terrified. What is he, did he think I was up there to physically like assassinate him or something? Like when I say the dude about crapped his pants, I mean, he might've, it might've eked out a little and he just hit it. I don't know. But then as soon as he realized, oh, I'm, I'm just a former player. Okay. He clearly didn't, Adam Carriker meant nothing to him, but former player did like his guard went down immediately and he would not stop talking. And it was great to get to chat with him. But the first question out of his mouth was, Help me with what to do with these black shirts. It was such a conundrum to him. Okay. The strain. The strain was real for him. Did you see the strain? I I felt the strain when I was around him. I heard the strain in his voice and I saw it in his eyes. And, you know, even when I, when I interviewed Tony White, you know, whenever that was three or uh, a couple, three weeks ago, there wasn't a strain when I chatted with him, but after the interview was over, we chatted about the black shirts and he wanted to do the, do it justice. Now I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of strain with him. He's just like, Hey, help me figure out how to do this thing the right way. Do it justice. But it's become, all right, we have Keo Craver on the line. So I'm going to ask him this question real quick, but before I get to one of the best to ever do it here at the university of Nebraska, it shouldn't be that hard. Whoever earns it gets it. And then you bust your butt every day to keep it when it comes to a black shirt. But I am joined right now by a Husker DB from 1998 to 2001, a first-team All-American, a Thorpe Award finalist, a first-team All-Big 12 performer, all right, three-time All-Big 12 performer in general, and a draft pick in the NFL, Mr. Keo Craver. How you doing, my friend? I'm good, bro. How you doing, sir? I'm good. 
Thank you for taking the time to join me. I am joined by Mr. Uh, on the Aloe VIP line by Mr. Craver, and they just handed out the black shirts yesterday. What are your thoughts on some of the hoopla that's surrounded handing out the black shirts, and how do we do it, and what do we do with it over the years? Why do you think it's become so, such a hoopla around it and it almost made it way more difficult than it really needs to be? What are your thoughts on all that? I mean... That's a really, really good question, man. I, I think, you know, it just started with just uh, the tradition on how it began and, you know, just the standard to, to, you know, how it all started and the excellence that a lot of proven black shirts over the years with the tradition and the national titles and at least competing for them. You know, when you set that kind of bar, you you don't accept nothing less. And I think a lot of people in the state of Nebraska, including, you know, former players as well, like we all kind of, you know, set, you know, had that bar set. And when those expectations were, were not met, you kind of freak out a little bit. And so, you know, that's, like you said, it, it was a lot of, you know, over the top stuff in terms of, you know, people getting a black shirt. But, you know, it was warranted. We We haven't been performing at a high level. And and people just want to want to see that. So that's a great point. It's a lot easier when you're playing really good football. Then there's no debate. If you're not playing really good football, then are you truly earning the black shirt? So that's a phenomenal point in, in all fairness as well. Now I do like the coach White, the defensive staff coach rule. They've really tried to simplify this. They basically said less is more. Earn it each and every day, each and every week. So I'm going to move on because we're going to simplify that on our end as well. It was just interesting for me, and I'd never shared that Bob Diaco story. And I thought folks might find that a little bit intriguing. Now, you're a guy who came to Nebraska from Texas. Okay, now Matt Rule has connections in Texas. We've got schools from California joining the Big Ten, so maybe that'll open up a little bit more recruiting out west, things of that nature. As a guy who came from Texas, what intrigued you and why'd you come to Nebraska? And how do we reestablish a recruiting pipeline down to the good old state of Texas? Man, I... um... I wasn't even on Nebraska's radar. I was getting recruited by Baylor. And so uh, Baylor happened to be playing Nebraska in the game that I went to on an unofficial visit. So I was old when I was watching those guys warm up. It was it was like watching uh, like Terminators warm up compared to just like the replacements. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they were machines yep. out there, just the speed, the strength, how they warmed up, how they moved. You know, just everything about them showed that they were, you know, the top of the line in terms of football and what it meant. So I I was sold on Nebraska as I was there watching Baylor. And, you know, by the grace of God, the next week I get a a call from uh, Turner Gill, who had reached out to my high school coach, and the rest is is history from there. All right. Now – what was it like when you came in? Because your first year was 98. So there was a lot of new, a lot of different, just like there's a lot of new right now for different reasons. But Frank Solich right. was, was his first year as a head coach. Obviously, the legend Osborne had just retired, just won a national title. What was that first year like, okay, with so much new? And again, it's a different type of new with Matt Rule. But what are these players, what's their mindset going into this first game under a new coach, so many things being different, different schemes, a different scheme on defense than we've ever run here at Nebraska. What do you think it's right. like for these players going into their first game this Thursday against Minnesota? Well, good. a good thing for Rule is, you know, 
the, the coaches before him, no, nobody has been able to, to to get the job done and, and prove themselves. And so he's 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 good there. He it's kind of like an, an open mat for him, and he gets to show what he can do. And and I'm behind him. I, I like what he's doing. I like how he's you know working with the state of Nebraska and the press and coaches and recruiting everything he's doing. He's doing all of the right things. So I hope that he can get the job done. But um, but yeah, man, I think I think rule rule is in an easier position than Coach Solis was. Coach Solis was following the goat, and so there was a lot of pressure. And I mean, we lost. I think we lost four games my freshman year, and when I and we lost like the first home game in a, a, a few years as well. So, man, you really really felt that that somber somberness from the the city and the people and. It was a lot of pressure, and, and and man, we we had to learn real quick about Nebraska football. And you know, coming from Texas, where football is huge, there was no letdown when I got here, and that that just kind of kept me motivated. And those guys that we played with, they had just came off of the national title, so they knew what it was going to take to to get things turned around. And so, you know, we had to take those bumps because that was coach's first year. So I think we got to be patient with a coach in his first year, but you know, just see what he does after that you make a great point as we all know we have fired a couple of coaches who won nine and ten games every year now we're to the point where hey can we just go six and six and go to a bowl game and people would be pretty happy with that so the expectations are very very different that is a phenomenal point now all right dude i've got to ask you i don't have to ask you this question uh but it popped into my head Okay, and I'm a guy who's been a part of some great wins and, and tough losses throughout my life, so react to this however you'd like. But I'm just curious, because in 2001, okay, you guys, you were number one in the country, 10-0. and 0, Okay, you'd beaten Oklahoma in the big number one versus two showdown in Lincoln. All right, all right. and again, you can rip my head off if you want to with this. I mean this with all due respect, because there's games people Love can it. bring up in my career that I wasn't too thrilled about. But just however you want to answer this, okay, the Colorado game obviously does not go great. If you could summarize it for anybody who's interested, what do you think was so different about that day in Boulder versus Colorado and it didn't go the way Husker fans wanted? What was different in that game? Man, that was that was like a dream. And I'm surprised you didn't say Miami because that's the only game really, you know, and I've been beating a lot of games, you know, but – Miami is the only a lot of a lot is the game where a lot of people will bring up like you know how, what were you thinking what were you doing how were you feeling and you know it took me years just to even replay the game and watch it so I was expecting that Miami question but, it's next on the list you know, <laughs> it's next. The, yeah the Colorado game was <laughs> dude that was we've never been beat down we got beat down and you know those guys they shout out to those coach that coaching staff man all it did was just you know, spread their receivers out wide, and they just they just ripped us, just gut man. They kept us out wide, and, and so you know they spread us out just to run it right up the gut, man. And we didn't really make a lot of adjustments, and we were kind of like a deer stuck in the headlights. And I mean, it was embarrassing, and that was a really really tough tough loss, you know. So I think with with that one, that's one of those losses where you you felt like you you let it's the whole state down. You let the former players down. And we got, you know, video messages sent from former players ripping into us. Like, you know, I'm laughing now, but 
it was embarrassing back then, you know what I'm saying? And so you just, that's the beauty of being at a school that sets the bar like that. You don't want to let them down. And when you do, man, you, you feel like crap. All right, so the next question I had is pertaining to the Miami game, but not necessarily what happened. My question is more about the mindset going in, because I remember that crystal clear. I remember my recruiting visit was in early December. It was the same day on a Sunday that they announced the BCS rankings. George Darlington, I was at his house. He was recruiting me. We watched the announcement show where it was going to be you guys, number two versus Miami, and George Darlington was in his 70s, and he jumped up as high as he could, and he was, so pumped and I'm, I'm, I'm pumped and I'm amazed at his vertical at that age. I hope mine is that high, but my question is this, because you guys had to hear so much trash going into that trash talk, going into that Miami game, Oregon should be ahead of you. Buffalo should be ahead of you. Well, the Colorado Buffalo is like, what was your guys's mindset dealing with that for a month and going into just heading into the Miami game? Obviously we know everything else, but what was the mindset of the team going into that game? Man, that's a really good question, and it's it's funny because, you know, we were all watching. You know, we were all watching it, and we we're like, "Yeah, we about to get ready. We finna go to, you know, maybe Florida. You know what I'm saying? We might go to some the Sugar Bowl or something." None of us was expecting to have our names called for the national title game. So, you know, a few of the boys we were all around, and it was like a, a skit off of a, a Saturday Night Live in the in the mid nineties with Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, them just picture them <laughs> just just playing ball, looking around and then all of a sudden they get called up like to come to the front of the class and just that confused look that Chris Farley yep. was so good at giving. That was the look that we were giving each other, man. We were like, Huh? But, you know, we knew we were gonna get a lot of good toys and treats even though we were playing the best team in the country. So, hey, we were ready to ride, but, man, we, we knew we were in over our heads for sure. Yeah, I mean, you obviously had a phenomenal career. Obviously, a lot of awards played in for a national title, so nothing but love and respect there. Last question I got for you, bringing it back to modern-day football, it is game week. It's a Thursday night game. Everybody's going to be able to watch it. Matt Rule's first game. All right, dude, now this is the question where I'm going to intentionally put you on the spot, all right? What's the score of Minnesota-Nebraska? Who wins? What you got? Mm, good question. Let's go. I'm going to go Nebraska 28, Minnesota 17. I like it. That's double digits right there. All right, man. I appreciate it, and I appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Go Big Red. Let's get it. All right, we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen.